is so peaceful today. Keep a really relaxed stance and looking forward, not looking down, because if you look down, you wobble. Hello, I'm Liv Bolton, and you're listening to The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire people wanting to make adventures outdoors a bigger part of their life. Welcome to the final episode of series three of the podcast. I've loved producing this series and thank you so much for listening to it. Visiting Iona, Josh, Vicky, Alex, Emily, Kenny and Joe all around the UK, and sometimes in the pouring rain, has given me lots of ideas about how to get outdoors more. And I've loved hearing about the impact the outdoors has had on my guests' lives. I hope the interviews and tips have given you inspiration too and you're planning lots of outdoors adventures, however big or small. If you missed any of the episodes, they will be there forever, so just search for The Outdoors Fix wherever you get your podcasts. As it's the end of this series, I've got a favour to ask. It would be fantastic if you were able to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, because obviously I'd like to hear what you think of it, but it also helps the podcast discoverability for others. Thank you. My guest today is Joe Mosley. Many of you will know Joe through social media as Healthy Happy 50. Joe had a pivotal moment in her late 40s that led to big changes in her life. And exercise in the outdoors became a central part of this new chapter. She also took up paddleboarding, and in the summer of 2019, Joe paddleboarded 162 miles coast to coast along canals from Liverpool to Goole. She was the first woman to do this. Joe's a big advocate of adventures in midlife and encouraging others to achieve their goals, whatever their age. And she's a beacon of positivity. Joe kindly took me paddleboarding on a canal in Yorkshire on a beautiful autumn day, and then we recorded the podcast in her car afterwards. I hope you enjoy the podcast and Joe's story. You can listen out for her tips for getting outdoors every day at the end of the podcast, as well as the relaxing minute of sounds from nature. So here's Joe. Joe, hello. Hello. Welcome to the Outdoors Fix podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Um, we've also just had a wicked time paddleboarding <laughs> on the canal. Mm. It was so much fun, and I haven't I haven't had a chance to do that in so long. Oh. Um, so thank you so much for taking My me out. My pleasure. My pleasure. And wh- which part of the canal? Which canal is it? And we're on Lee's Liverpool Canal, and we were at Bridge um, 162 to 161. Oh wow! And we're near Skipton. Yes. Yes. We are. So we're on the A59. Nice. It was so beautiful. It's a beautiful autumn day and we were just paddling really slowly but peacefully mm. through all the little leaves in the mm. canal. Um, you're Indeed. much sturdier than I am. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I should be after 11 days. So. Exactly. Yeah. I, I can't wait to talk about your paddleboard the north. Um, thank you. 11 days, mm-hmm. 162 miles. Yes. Liverpool to Gaul, yes. absolute achievement. I Thank I can't you. wait to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, I'd love mm. to go back a bit. Mm. And um, so, where are you based? And do you have a, a day job, so to speak? Yes, um, I'm, so I'm based in Skipton and I have a very normal day job. Um, I work for an engineering company and then two nights a week I teach aquafit. So hydrojog and aquafit, yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. And then I speak at sort of festivals and events as well, just kind of like when people ask me anyway oh wow so mm-hmm. how would you describe yourself oh gosh um oh my lord um how would I describe myself um I'm a mum and a midlife adventurer um on my website I've got joy encourager midlife adventurer and beach cleaner so mum and then those three things I think ah, and you have two <laughs> sons two sons 22 and 19 yeah. wonderful and um you have had in the last few years <laughs> quite a journey mm. um mm. you had quite a pivotal moment back in 2013 I think it was I did I did not far from here in um Tesco's in Skipton um, and my eldest son, Henry, had just volunteered himself to do the food shopping for his Duke of Edinburgh trip, which basically, as any parent will know, means um, mum was to do the shopping. 
and we were going around Tesco's and it was that witching hour after work, after school, everybody's tired. I did not want to have to calculate how much rice to buy. And we were in the biscuit aisle and I literally dropped my bags and went, I can't cope and I burst into tears. Mm. And I leant back against the um, the chocolate and looked at the chocolate hobnobs and I thought, this is what my life's come to, you know, crying in the supermarket. And um, as you can imagine for teenage boys who were 16 and 12 at the time, it was like worst nightmare. It was like, get her out of here. Um, and so, yeah, it was just... Um, so I wasn't sleeping. I was really anxious. Um, both mum and dad were going through chemotherapy at the time. And I just thought that was just, you know, the stress of all that. Um, so, yeah, it was pivotal. I hadn't slept for I don't know how long or had a full night's sleep. So, yeah, busy uh, trying to work, juggle the boys and do my best by mum and dad. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, a low point. Yeah. And so what happened after that? What did you do to try and change your life? Well, I it was really fortuitous because I was with a friend and I explained what had happened in a sort of hey-ho, aren't I a loser kind of way. And um, she said, how much exercise do you do? Um, and I said, well, you know, mm, kind of not, not much. We had done a big um, walk together in the about 18 months prior oh no gosh no about six years before but um really I didn't do anything regularly um I didn't even know what the word sort of self-care meant at those days mm-hmm. um and so she said look exercise might really you know help you sleep um and I have this um old indoor rowing machine that's um I think it was on the way to the charity shop or to the tip to be honest she was she was giving her garage a good clear out and she said would you like to borrow it and I I would if it had been any any kind of vehicle you know a bike or a rowing machine anything I was like okay I'll, I'll give it a go you know I was that desperate really um and I put it in my kitchen and I started um rowing on this on this rickety old indoor rowing machine and literally within two weeks I was sleeping yeah. and it was just like wow you know I could go to bed and I could get through the night and I could sleep well and uh and then at that point it was like okay and so um as the rowing machine really sort of fell apart, I joined a gym and literally it was exercise, sleep. My life started to look brighter. Wow. Mm. And so you did a big challenge on your rowing machine. I did. I did. So that was sort of May 2013. And then in December 2013, mum died um, on the 21st of December. And in December, Concept2, who make the indoor rowing machines, they had this sort of if you row a certain amount, we'll give a certain amount of money to charity. And I got the numbers wrong and the decimal points wrong. And I thought if I rode this 100 kilometres in a month, that they would give like £100. But I think they were going to give £10 or something. But I continued. So even after mum had died in that sort of bit between Christmas and New Year, I found that I was going back to, to the gym to row. And I realised that it was there was obviously more to it than just sleep. It was It was somehow helping me. And um, later in 2014, I went to bereavement counselling, which was extraordinary, and I'm so grateful. And the the bereavement counsellor said to me, how does your life feel right now? And I said, um, I feel like I'm on a li- in a little rickety old wooden boat in the middle of a lake, and my old life is the shoreline around the lake. And I'm in this boat and I'm standing up and I'm waving back at my old life and I don't know how to get back there. I was trying to look after dad. I was, you know, trying to help the boys. I had my own grief. It was just, um, mum was massive in our lives. You know, she was pivotal. She kind of kept it all together. You know, she was just massive. It was like this huge hole. And I think being a single mum, she'd she'd been massive in my boys' lives. And um and every time I felt like I could get back to my old life, this wave would come and hit me and the boat would rock and I was unsteady again. And so he said to me, what do you need to do? And I said, I need to sit down and row back to my old life. Metaphorically, of course. Yes. Um, and, you know, it was just like, yeah, so I need and, and literally with no planning whatsoever, um, I then decided that I was going to row a million metres in a marathon in memory of mum and I started on the 5th of May which would have been their wedding anniversary and on the 21st of December of that year um, I rode a marathon which was 
first anniversary of her death five days before my 50th birthday and we raised over £10,000 with Gift wow. Aid. So, um, yeah, it was amazing. People were so generous. Um, so every night, every other night, once the boys were home and um, tea and all that sort of thing, um, they were old enough to leave. I would go and go on the rowing machine and row 10,000 metres every other night. Wow. I rode a couple of half marathons and um, and rode this marathon. And, um, and people sponsored me because they said it was so boring they were like this is the most boring thing anybody could do I'm going to sponsor you because just to say well done for being boring and I was like oh that's okay cool so yeah we raised 10,000 pounds and um that is fantastic yeah and and that that rowing really sparked it seems Mm. um this exercise um (laughs) passion and you and you've got into running but also paddleboarding yes paddleboarding so when was the first time that you went paddleboarding um 25th of september 2016 oh precise date (laughs) love it because it's uh on my instagram um and um i'd injured my knee earlier the year in the year i'd had a fall and I'd read that paddleboarding was really, really good for strengthening your core and strengthening the muscles in your legs so that there was less kind of pressure on your knee. So um, once my knee was a bit better, we booked a paddleboarding session in the lakes. And um, the minute I stood up, I was like, wow, this is so good. And I was hooked and I asked for a paddleboard um, from all my family for Christmas. So. Oh, wow. And for those of us who don't really know what paddleboarding is, and it's yes. sometimes called SUP, which is S-U-P, yeah. stand-up paddleboarding. Yeah. Um, it is. It looks like a big giant surfboard, doesn't it? Yes. A bit thicker. Mm-hmm. And um, you stand up on it and you mm. use a paddle to yes. push yourself along. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do need a, bit, a lot of core strength with it, don't yeah. you? It's a great workout. Yeah, it is. It's really good. It's really, it's like an all-over workout, but there's not that, lots of impact on your knees which is what I needed at the time um and it's just really lovely really lovely so when you were getting out and doing paddleboarding more and Mm. more and being in the outdoors Mm. how were you feeling in yourself just really good it's like my little escapes it was really busy um you know the boys were going through big exams and dad was moving house and so it's always just makes me feel really alive it makes me feel um, there used to be an advert for Barocca, which I'm not really sure what it was, some kind of vitamin <laughs> thing. And it was like you, but on a good day. And that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. It's like I just feel me. Um, even if I'm not necessarily doing a huge amount and I'm just pootling along, I just feel like it strips back all the other stuff of life. And I'm just very in the moment and very free. And I can hear my own voice and I can think things through. And um I just feel lovely, just lovely. How often are you able to get out on the paddleboard? Um, When I was training to do Paddleboard the North, I'd be out like a couple of times a week. But interestingly, since Paddleboard the North, I've been going away at weekends and talking and doing doing things. So um, not as much. But um, once all this quietens down, I'll be back out a couple of couple of times at least a week yeah oh it's wonderful mm. so the other thing you're doing in the outdoors is mm-hmm. you do a two minute beach clean every yes. day yes so can you explain that um so i my dad lives at the coast and we've spent a lot of time there as children and i've always collected sea glass i love sea glass but over time i noticed that i was also collecting bits of rubbish and um so i started collecting litter and then i realized that there was this amazing community on um mainly on Instagram for me, um, where people show what they're doing across the world. And it's extraordinary. And you meet these really lovely people who are just literally spending two minutes a day picking up litter. And it can be on the beach or it can be on your way to work, in the park, wherever you are. Um, And so I decided in January 2018 that I would do it as my project every day just to do a litter pick. and I recorded it on my stories and um, yeah, it's brought so much, it sounds bizarre, but it's brought a huge amount to my life. Yeah. I love it. it. makes me feel like I'm looking after the places I go to um, and because a lot of it is on the beach or on the canal, it's like saying thank you as well. So when I did my paddleboard and north, I raised money for the two minute beach clean. So, so do you think that that also helps you get outdoors each day? Mm, yeah, it does because sometimes I mean, I always try and get outdoors, but sometimes there'll be a point maybe on a winter's 
evening and I'm thinking mm, it's been really cozy this weekend <laughs> you yeah. know I'm still wearing my pajamas um <laughs> but then it's like oh crumbs just zip out um and so yeah it does it's that little extra just to go out and it's always more than well no sometimes it is literally two minutes if I'm racing to work but often it will lead to more but because you know it's only two minutes it's like of course I can do that mm. but if it's like half an hour every day of litter picking you might think whoa but two minutes we can all fit that in do you think your outlook on life before we get to talk about your big challenge do you mm-hmm. think your outlook on life has changed since doing more things in the outdoors yes definitely definitely I'm somebody who's has real anxiety um and I only recently found out that other people don't who don't have anxiety don't think like I think and I remember talking to a friend and I was like so if something goes wrong you don't automatically think it's your fault no and you're not always just waiting for something to go wrong no and you don't think about things like over and over again at night. No, Joe. And I was like thinking, oh, I thought that's, I thought everybody felt like this. I literally was like 53 when I realized that this was not natural to, you know, be there at three o'clock in the morning going, oh, 10 years ago I said that. I wonder why I said that. Um, so certainly being on the outdoors helps that anxiety. And because I've been going through the menopause, my anxiety went through the roof. Right. Um, crippling, you know, crippling, I call it. And what I mean by that is like literally everything. I, I would just be so worried about everything. I would go on a car drive and be sure that I'd broken the speed limit, which meant that I would lose my license, which meant we would be homeless. And that would take me about 30 seconds wow. to go from have I broken the speed limit, which is funny because most people laugh at how slowly I actually drive. Um, so really catastrophizing about yeah things. catastrophizing yeah. but you know always always worrying about something always thinking that something was going to go wrong um and so the outdoors has really helped that not only because i feel more confident because of the things i do in the outdoors but just simply because it just calms me and being by water particularly calms me so water and moving and doing my litter picks just calms me it grounds me um, and something happened recently where I didn't get really nervous about something and I went, no, Joe, that's okay. And I, and this only happened on Monday and I thought, wow, a year ago, two years ago, I would have been literally panicking and I didn't. And I think, wow, this has had like a, a you know, a proper effect on me. Wow. It really does help. Oh, it's wonderful to hear. Mm, yeah, it's amazing. I was really sort of like, Wow. And I was actually teaching Aquafit whilst this was happening, and I was like, "Oh, get back to the yeah. get back to the topic here, Joe." <laughs> Drifting off. Yeah. Um, so paddleboard the north. Yes. Um, as we said, eleven days, one hundred and sixty-two miles, mm-hmm. paddleboarding along the canals from Liverpool to Goole. Yes. So how on earth did that come about? Um, I actually had the idea three years ago, um, okay. and. Um, I told it to a... So this was like two months after starting. I was then going to be like, paddle, paddle, paddle. <laughs> um, and I said at a party and this chap said, oh, that sounds really boring. And another chap sort of said, oh, it sounds a bit difficult. And another chap sort of like, yeah, I, you know, logistically, how would you do it? You know, wild camp along the canal. And, oh, that's not the attitude, is yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> so it was really good. And so my confidence levels then weren't that great. And so I did literally go, yeah yeah you're probably right and so I shelved it didn't go any further and then this year um, I had been having a frozen shoulder I've had two frozen shoulders in about 30 months Mm. and this one was my left shoulder was just unfreezing so I was starting to think oh because paddleboarding is really good for it when it's unfreezing to build up the strength so I thought oh I really want to get my paddleboard back out and really build up my strength as this um, unfreezes and then sorry this is a bit of a long story but I went for a walk to my local reservoir and I looked up and there was all these beautiful wild geese Mm. which I videoed then I came home and went on Twitter and found that Mary Oliver the poet had died that day and one of her sorry it's a bit long-winded but one of her poems is called wild geese so I started thinking about this and thinking wow that's quite 
serendipitous that I should see the wild geese and video them and then Mary Oliver died and so I was just kind of thinking and I remembered her poem which is um, and I sometimes get it wrong but it is tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious life and so I for the next week was thinking you know my shoulders unfreezing thinking about Mary Oliver what do I want to do with my wild and precious life and Uh, I knew that Johnny was going off to university in the October and I thought what I want to do is do something that will be like a big dream to pull me through this next stage, you know, this whole empty nest thing. And I started thinking back about what I might want to do and I remembered I'd had this idea and I went to a friend and um, I was sitting at his house and I was like on Instagram and he's like, Jay, you're always on your phone. I was like, yeah, I know, whatever. (laughs) And I just... um, searched on instagram hashtag leeds liverpool canal Mm -hmm. and i saw that there was a chap doing it and i thought hmm i do think i'd like to do that again and i stood up and i said to to my friend i said i'm going to paddleboard the leeds liverpool canal and he went like that idea you had a while ago and i yeah and he said just to leeds and i went no i'm gonna go leeds to ghoul and he was like wow and how are you gonna do that and i was like i don't know but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so it was like this really weird, fortuitous thing. And Mary Oliver, who's a poet I love, and Instagram and finding Jason who was doing it. You know, if I hadn't found him, maybe I'd have put away, put away the idea. And um, yeah, so it was a just, and again, it was like not a massive big planning thing. I just said, I'm going to do it. Wow. Mm. So if you were going then for 11 days, mm. um, did you, where did you stay? And, and how did you sort of figure out the route? And So the Lee's Liverpool Canal in particular is really well documented. It's over 200 years old. So that was 2016, I think, uh, was its um, bicentenary. So 200 years old, massively well documented. And when I showed you how far away from Liverpool and Leeds were, did you see that white thing? Yes, on the canal. So yeah. it, it's marked out, um, you know, the distances. Um, there's people that have walked it, cycled it, photographed it. So I knew pretty much that sort of how long it was, literally, how long it was and different sort of stopping points. And I knew that I could get 12 days off work. So five days and then three days in the next week with the weekends. And I went, it's 162 miles. We'll divide that. And I literally very arbitrarily said, I'll do it in 11 days and I'll have one day's rest at the end and sort of wiggle room. And um, and then said, right, I'm going to do 16 miles a day. I'd never done more than about eight miles a day at that point and, and literally carved it up. And at either end, I stayed in um, hotels or B&Bs. And then I stayed with some people from Twitter, oh, um, which was great. So I yeah. kind of said I was going to do it. And they said, come and stay with us. And I was like, yay, that sounds great. And then my son was like, you're going to stay with people that you've never met. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, but they seem really nice. He's really into yoga. <laughs> and, you know, and my son's like, oh, mum. And then in for a block of four nights, um, I stayed at home because the canal comes through where I live. Oh, right. And so um, Johnny and, and Henry, my sons, were they were off doing their own thing. I was very specific about doing it when they were doing other stuff because I didn't want them to feel like this was them. They were going to have to support me. Mm-hmm. It was very much mum's doing stuff to show you that she's going to be OK when you're not here. Oh. So I deliberately did it whilst they were doing other stuff. Didn't expect them to help out or anything so a friend's daughter would collect me from the canal take me home collect me the next morning take me back to the same spot and so for four nights I stayed at home which was amazing I mean that's the best way to adventure isn't it doorstep (laughs) challenge so I could put a wash on um you know check my post sleep in my own bed um I'd made 90 bliss balls so I could get a few more out of the freezer (laughs) it was perfect so how many hours in those 11 days um each day were you paddleboarding for um about we probably because we were making the film, I'd probably actually get on the water about 10-ish and come off at about 7. Oh, that's quite a long day. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't paddleboarding the whole time. There was a little little bit of chatting, um, <laughs> but picking it's quite, up litter. But it's quite um, hard on your arms because even when we were just paddleboarding a few minutes mm. ago, we only did it for about 25 minutes. <laughs> and I can already feel it in my arms. So it's not um, a bad effort. Yeah. It actually... 
paddle boarding comes from like your glutes and your um, ab laterals, I think the word is. But yes, so it it was hard. Bashy. You know, all I had to do was paddle, pick up litter, eat, sleep, and do a bit of social media, oh, which nice. was amazing. Yeah, nice so even though, yes, physically it was demanding, there was also that simplicity, which actually meant that the physical stuff was just really lovely. Um, so, yes, it was hard. I didn't feel it was hard at the time. But looking back, I sort of wonder how I did it <laughs> and when you were doing it mm. I mean you were fulfilling this this dream you'd had for yeah. a few years and so how did yeah. that feel it was amazing on day three we came to our first lock and the Saturday and Sunday it had rained and thunderstormed the whole time and um, people were sending me texts saying oh you're putting it off till next week and I was like no this is my annual leave I don't have time to put it off of course I'm doing it and I was I wouldn't have put it off because well I booked the hotel over in that way and um my friend frit was filming so there's no way i was gonna put it off but on the on the monday the sun shone we we're coming up to our, the first lock because there's no locks uh, on the first two days and there was a little boy called ryan and he must have been about 10 and he was walking along with his brother and his granny and he said um I've been on a paddleboard and I said oh that sounds great and he said yeah Cornwall it was great and I thought like, oh that's really nice I'm really pleased that you liked it Ryan he goes you're living the dream aren't you and I went you know Ryan I actually am living my dream oh my and I, it was stunning literally oh goose pimples thinking yeah. about it and um and Frick and Frick I think chatted to him and I and he literally said you're living your dream and I went yeah I am I really oh, was this little moment. ten-year-old boy with his brother, and they walked with me and and just asked what I was doing and why, why I was doing it, and and um, yeah, I was living my dream. I really was, even in the thunder and the rain and when I smelt of litter and, <laughs> you know, the geese came at me, not the geese, the swans. Um, I was, I was living a dream, and it was amazing. And that little boy knew that. Stunning, oh, stunning like, little amazing. man. Mm. Were there any times where I, I know you say you were living the dream? Were there any times where you thought, "Oh, Blumenack, this is oh yeah, this yeah. is really really trying." Yes. Um, on the um, after, just after we got to Wigan, um, so Wigan has twenty one locks, which I walked up. Mm. Um, it's an amazing feat of engineering, um, and so I walked up the locks. It was a beautiful sunny day. Um, just at Wigan we hit this duckweed or some kind of weed I don't know if it's pennywort or whatever I didn't really want to know because it was so awful um, and basically if you if you see my photos it looks like the canal is a green carpet oh. and it's so so it's quite sort of visually attractive in a way but it's basically like this thick weed and it gets really under your fin so you're paddling along very very slowly and then a bit of weed gets under and it pulls you back so um, I was going at such a slow pace. I was literally, one day I was almost on my knees most of the day. And it was thundery and rainy. And I made a mistake on the canal. And everything just wasn't, I wasn't in a good place. And, and um, Cal Major, my friend Cal, had said, you have this sort of dip three or four days in when the adrenaline's worn off. Um, but you're still in the thick of it. And it seems a long way to go. And I remember then thinking, I just don't know that I'm going to be able to do this. Inside, I knew I was going to, because for the the rare time in my life, I actually really, really believed in myself. I'd worked on that bit, but I wondered whether I was going to take more time and had to take more time off work and whether the logistics were not going to work out. And I remember sort of not sleeping very well and thinking, wow, have I got it in me? Of course I've got it in me. No, I haven't. Yes, I have. Who do you think you are? You're too old. You're too, you know, not strong enough. Um, so, yeah, there was a, a night where I didn't sleep particularly well. And then bizarrely woke up the next morning um, and had a bit more strength in me. And from that point on, it just went up. Yeah, I just had to go through that kind of can you, can't you? Yes, of course you can. Mm. On the eleventh day, then the final yes, day. The final day. Um, tell me about how it sort of finished. That wonderful moment you were yeah. describing earlier. <laughs> so um, it had been um, a beautiful sunny day, and 
from going in Leeds, Leeds is Leeds. Liverpool to Leeds is 128 miles and it's on a canal which is quite contained and then you go onto the River Eyre and then the Calder and it's called a navigation which is like a river that's been sort of tamed slightly so from being quite a narrow canal like we've just done here you go to this really big river um, and you know it used to be used for transport and coal and, and you know big big river and beautiful beautiful sort of nature reserve stunning um and then it's slightly got a bit narrower again but still a lot bigger than a normal canal and we woke up and it was bright sunshine and it was windy and and the wind was for the first time properly behind my back so I stood up and I put my paddle out to make myself sort of into a triangle my friend Jason turned up another friend came with flapjack and um, I had a little pin with my GPS sort of thing. And I was going so fast that Frit um, was saying, there's something wrong with it because you're moving really quickly. <laughs> um, and then about um, maybe an hour before the sun sort of went down, it went a bit cloudy. The wind picked up and a friend of mine from British Canoeing, because I knew some people from Canal and River Trust and British Canoeing were at the end as well as my dad. She came out and as she came out in her kayak, um, the heavens opened and we didn't, we didn't, ha I didn't have time to put my leg, uh, my waterproof leggings on at all. I, I just tried and didn't. And as I came into Ghoul, the rain and the thunder and the lightning, it was just, it was just incredible. And, and I was with her and, and it was just lovely. I was just really emotional that she was with me, but then she said, no, I'm going to hold back and let you kind of cross the imaginary finish line on your own, which was just so sort of generous of her. And there's all these, um, young teenagers on the bank banging things and I could Aww. see them and I knew they were there and I came across the line in this thunderstorm and they gave me some roses and there's a picture of me holding these roses so drenched and then literally the rain stopped and this extraordinary rainbow came out and um i mean the thunder couldn't have, couldn't have been more than 10 minutes of this massive thunderstorm and then this beautiful beautiful rainbow came out what a moment to, mm. to end it. Wow. Mm. That must have given you absolute goose pimples. It did. Um, my When my mum um, was dying, she had said to us um, that if you ever saw a white feather or um, a rainbow, it meant that she was there. And obviously on the canal, there are a lot of white feathers. <laughs> there are the swans. Um, but often I would see a feather when I was a bit down, or a dragonfly, actually. There was often a dragonfly um, that would seem not particularly necessarily the same dragonfly, but dragonflies would come whenever I felt a bit down. But I'd see the feathers, and I could rationalise that away and say, yeah, feathers, swans. Um, but when the rainbow came out, um, and I knew my dad was there, and I knew my dad would be thinking, it's your mother, it's your mother. <laughs> and so... Um, I did. I was doing some footage for the BBC, which was very generous of them to be interested. And um, I'd learnt a tiny bit from Frit about... I mean, she knows a lot, I know a little. But I thought, I'm just going to talk to camera and I'm going to have the rainbow in the back because it's going to look so beautiful. But I didn't realise quite so how overwhelming that sight was. So there is footage of me just basically sobbing into it, saying, I'm here and... and 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 thinking how did my mum get here you know oh. it was just and I know it's just the rainbow and I know it's the you know the meteorology and all that I know I know but in my heart it just felt like she was there and I knew that my dad would be thinking the same thing and um so it was an extraordinary moment actually because I was overwhelmed by finishing I was overwhelmed by the generosity of people turning up to watch me finish the flowers having Frit there sort of screaming she's done it she's done it and and this rainbow came out and I just was you know me literally trying to talk into camera um and yeah so maybe she was there maybe she was there who knows oh, what an achievement and Thank you. you must have thought you know compared to your life a few years previously yes. how far you'd come yeah yeah 
Always crying, though. Always crying. Uh, <laughs> that's because I'm 50-something. Um, yeah. I, 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 I don't always... I've never... I'm not a big believer in myself, I have to admit. Um, but I, I said at the very start of this I listened to a podcast um, and some women that I hugely admire the Yorkshire Rose they said that believing in their dream and in their themselves when they rode the Atlantic was their superpower believing in themselves was their superpower and I thought that's what I'm going to have to do I'm just going to have to believe I can do this rather than constantly second guess myself constantly worry that I won't be good enough you and and there was this like this golden core inside me which was like you're going to do this and I kept saying to a friend of mine beforehand I said this is not my time to fail um you, you've done that you've made mistakes you failed you know things haven't always worked out as you planned at all but this is not my time to fail and I just kept saying that to myself this is not your time to fail this is your time to complete what you've set out to do and and I had my fundraising as well I could not let the guys down on that so I can't remember your question but yes <laughs> it's a long it's been a journey and um yeah to believe in myself like that was uh quite unusual for me and I'm glad I did because I can take that with me now to know that I can do stuff what I loved about um reading about you before meeting you mm. um was that you have done this extraordinary adventure, but mm. within, you know, your everyday everyday life and such as yeah. that, you know, it was in your annual leave and you mm. have a job, mm. um, but you had this epic adventure. Mm. And um, it seems that uh, through your social media as well, you're so positive and mm. so, um, you know, you're really encouraging so many people on with their adventures as well. Oh, thank you. Do you, yeah, do you see it as... Um, I suppose, do you think that other people should go out and, and do their adventures? I mean, that's probably a very leading question, isn't it? I mean, probably, <laughs> well, yeah. No, I don't think they should. <laughs> um, yes, I... In, in, in the space between the time that I was first going to do this and then put it away and then decided to do it again, um, like many, many people in their 40s and 50s, um, um, some of my friends died. Um so um, I had a, a period of six months where five friends oh, died and they weren't all like really close. Like one was very close and I'd known her for, gosh, since she was 17, 18. Um, and others were like schoolgate mums or, you know, but they were all incredible women and they were very, they were all vibrant and unique and creative and... If you ever met them in the street, you'd go away thinking, wow, oh, that was nice. You just felt uplifted. And so what I realised really, I think, was that I'm incredibly fortunate to be 54 and healthy enough to do the things that I do. So that is what, that's what kind of drives me is that level of gratitude and that level of the purpose with the beach cleaning the joy it gives me and the gratitude that I am the age I am and I'm despite my knee and my funny shoulders um that I'm healthy enough to do this um and that's why I try to be positive because it's not driven really from a sort of look at me it's like look at look at what's there and I'm just really lucky to do this. And I think it would be great for you to do it. But I'm not telling people that they should do it. But I'm just saying it, that I've, I, I've been broken. And life, not just life. You know, I was broken. Anxiety, the menopause, grief. There was all sorts of different things. And now I feel really healed. And I know that moving and moving in nature has helped heal me. And so... If there's somebody that's feeling a bit broken or, or a bit lost or a bit unsure, then this might help. So I don't say they should do it. You know, knitting or poetry or art or music might well heal them. But this has what one thing that's helped heal me. 
that makes sense absolutely absolutely does mm. i mean this is a question i'm sure you get asked a lot but <laughs> um obviously you've had your paddleboarding challenge yes um do you have any future challenge plans or are you at the moment enjoying the moment um that's a really interesting question because everybody asks you it and i do have other challenges that i would like to do um around paddleboarding um but I feel like next year it's about saying this is what um, this is the joy it's brought me and this is the feeling it's brought me and I'd like to share that feeling with others rather than just go off and do something bigger. Mm. Um, so I would like to train as a paddleboard instructor. Oh, fantastic! Um, because I've taken a couple of people out and. Um, and one lady, when I take her out and we do a litter pick in, on the canal, and she's like, I didn't think this would be so much fun. Look how much we've got. You know, that sense of achievement. We've wrestled with a plastic bottle in the mud. And and, um, and then I, I get her to stand in front of a bridge um, and kind of put the paddle in the air and look like the, you know, the warrior woman that she is and take photos. And I love being able to give that experience to somebody else. I love sharing that experience and I love what it does to somebody and that you can be on the board and you can chat. You know, like we chatted. You just mm. chat and then you're silent and then you laugh and then you have a snack. And it's just a lovely thing. So I'd like to learn how to properly paddleboard because I'm not even sure that I know how myself. Uh, well, you're certainly better than me, so you definitely do. <laughs> um, you know, get my straight right. But be able to teach other people. So I want to do stuff for me, yes. But now I think I'm more confident about saying I'd like to bring other people with me. Um, and give them what I've experienced I think that seems like that seems like what my soul is telling me to do Joe, do you have three people who have inspired your outdoors adventures yes so um so the first would be my dad okay. um, and we used to um, go for walks um, in when I was a little girl but also my dad is a sailor and a diver oh. and um, in my 20s I did a lot of diving and I did some diving with him okay. um, and um, so yeah my dad's always liked the outdoors and the sea His, I think it's the love of the sea really that my dad has passed on to me and it's really funny because my dad lives at the coast where I paddleboard and he's also a volunteer with the RNLI. Mm. And every single time that I go out on my paddleboard, he says to me, now, make sure that you're safe because it would be very embarrassing for me if they had to call the crew out because it'd be like, you know, my daughter has to be rescued. And I'm like, yep, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> and in fact, one day he didn't, he couldn't see me from his binoculars. I was completely safe, but he just couldn't see me. And I came back into the house and him and so, so my dad and his friend who is um, like the chair of the sort of fundraising bit, he was like, Joe, it would have been, so my dad's friend was like, Joe, it would have been very embarrassing for your father and I if the crew had had to call you out. So my dad has instilled a love of the sea, but also a deep, deep respect for mm -hmm. the sea. Um, my dad only stopped diving in his late 70s, and oh, that's because he'd had a lot of, he's had three can types of cancer, and he's had a problem with his heart and and I think his oncologist said look I can't give you a very specific reason why you should stop diving but probably it's not a great great thing to go to depth now so it would be my dad and his love of the sea wow and how about a second person so the second person is um, much younger and that is Cal Major Cal Major is um, a wonderful wonderful woman she is a vet and she is a passionate paddleboarder and um, environmentalist and she has paddleboarded around Cornwall around Skye and she paddleboarded um, the length of the country wow. picking up litter she did some of it on canals and then some out on the sea and she is um, is extraordinary and I met her three or four years ago before she did all her big stuff and she is the kindest, strongest, most vulnerable, most genuine, generous 
wonderful person and I follow her on Instagram and she is sometimes she says things and I think that is exactly how I feel about this um I think she's just she's making such a huge difference um but she does everything with such grace and humility and she's not she's just she's just amazing and whenever I get the chance to see her or whatever I just um I'm in awe of her to be honest she's everything that I kind of wished that I could have been like if I'd had the courage to when I was younger and I just think she's extraordinary wonderful and how about a third person oh now this is difficult difficult so I'm gonna say um one is Martin Dory okay who is the founder of the two minute beach clean community right and he is wonderful. And actually, 12 years ago, on this Monday, he did his first beach clean. He went to a beach, saw all the plastic, cleared it up, and vowed that he would make a difference. Um, and so it's quite fortuitous, actually, that we should meet this week. Um, and I met him at Kendall Mountain Festival this Saturday, and it was like, oh, Martin, I just want to say thank you for changing my life. Um, and he's wonderful, and I raised money for the beach clean community when I was doing my paddleboard um but also um I would say um Sarah Gerrish who is the um founder of um wonderful wild women in the lakes and and also Bex Band who founded Love Her Wild and I I think basically about what I've learned from both those women is that the level of the community because I'm always with sport in the past have been really worried that I would be the worst at everything like the whole school stuff team sports mm. Ooh, scary scary um and so I always worried that if I did things with other women that I would let them down so I love teamwork I love teamwork but in a sporting context I would always worry that I would let them down and what I've realized from these incredible adventuring communities of women is that nobody is judging you nobody is saying you're going to let us down nobody is questioning your ability and actually what they're all doing is lifting and cheerleading and raising you to be, raising you up and raising your spirits and inspiring you and empowering you. And so from people like Bex and Sarah and all the women that they, and Anna McNuff with Adventure Queens. I mean, there's you know, a lot here. You've, you've gone past the three, I, can't, I know, it's like Desert <laughs> Island Discs. But I'm taking it all, all of them. But I think that's what I've learned is that's, it's not just inspiring me to be out there, but inspiring me to then want to give back like they do. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. I'll, I'll give you this one, it's fine. Thank you, thank you. Joe, um, what tips do you have for incorporating outdoors adventures into your everyday life? Because you've done it very well, it seems, with mm. the paddleboarding. I would say to start small start today and start exactly as you are like just literally open your front door um when i injured my knee i set myself a challenge to um go outside and do something for half an hour every day and i called it rain or shine 30 Mm -hmm. and um most of the time i was walking because that's all i could literally do quite slowly at points um, and then I started the paddleboarding and then I started bodyboarding and then I started walking through the water with sort of really um, helped um, strengthen my knees, sort of literally walking through water with my wetsuit. Then I started cycling a bit more. And so I would say start small, start today, start exactly as you are and then find what aspect of it brings you the most joy literally is it is it hills is it rivers is it canals is it being with others is it being on your own find what brings you joy and if it's all of those have a bit of a mixture you know you don't have to specialize um and just keep following the joy literally and if you do something and you think you know that doesn't really light up my soul and you tried it a few times then don't do it you know literally find what uh, and then just grow and build and and what's great with social uh, media is you can find other people you can learn from them they can tell you about courses so if you think oh I'd like to do my mountain leadership or which I haven't got by the way um 
or hill walking you can find if there's courses so if you want to do something a bit more adventurous you can get the right qualifications so you're safe and the right kit um, but if if it's simply walking half an hour a day you know either end of the day if you can or in the middle of the day or break it up then that's how I would do it just start literally as you are you don't have to go out and climb a mountain overnight and you don't have to do all these whizzy amazing things that you see it's it's what brings joy to your soul and to your life that's all that really matters thank you so much this oh, has been so you. much fun oh thank you oh and thank that paddleboarding so earlier it was, it was perfect wasn't, wasn't it? it just it was. absolutely gorgeous the, the autumn light leaves. autumn mm. leaves the peace on it oh and especially as i've been on the train for most of the day it was such yes. a lovely lovely time <laughs> to be outside well and thank you for coming to yorkshire but um thank you for telling your story and thank and for you. just you. you know you're you you are inspiring so many people so oh, gosh. Thank, thank you so you. much for talking more about it thank um, you and it's Thank been a pleasure. You. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Joe's episode. You can see photos of Joe and her paddleboarding challenge on the Outdoors Fix website or on Instagram at the Outdoors Fix. And you can also find her on Instagram at healthyhappy50. If you're affected by any of the issues discussed in the podcast, there's information and support on the Outdoors Fix website. Thank you again for listening to this series. It means a lot. The podcast is now just over a year old and I'm looking forward to interviewing many of you in future episodes. Now, it's that time to take a short moment to relax and listen to some sounds from nature. This time it's the sound of water lapping onto the shores of Loch Annie Len in the Cairngorms. <laughs>